If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast, bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah Utes. Now, your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. Welcome on into the Utah Man Podcast. We're celebrating the Utes winning the South Division. We're talking Colorado, looking forward to the team down south, and we're joined by none other than Jeremiah Jensen from KSL. I'm Cameron, and we got Ryan. What's up, my South Division champion buddies? And Scott. Welcome to the flock. What a great weekend, honestly. Beautiful. It's a great time to be a Ute. In one week since the, since the last podcast, South End Zone's getting expanded. We take care of business against our big biggest rival, and what do you know? We're South champions. The monkey is off the back. I have to say, Saturday on Twitter, Ute Nation was awesome. That was probably the best day of Twitter I've ever had. I literally probably spent 13 hours on Twitter. <laughs> We Scott and I were still tweeting at two in the morning. Ryan had gone to bed oh, by seven thirty. Yeah. Seventh? No. <laughs> what, I, what time did you go to bed? Did you stay up for the end? <laughs> yeah, I finished watching the the Oregon game and then I went to bed. <laughs> Dude, there was no going to bed I, for I, me. It was a. I was too, my blood too pressure jacked. was through the roof. I was I was a mess watching that second half. Oh, I thought for game. sure. Oh, but, but as it came down to the end, I thought we were going to lose. And I thought, if that happens, there's no way ASU's losing to Arizona. It's over. So thank you, Oregon. Thank you, Duck fans. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Utah is the South Division champions. That sounds great. It's got a, a nice ring to it. Oh, it has a beautiful ring to it. But I will never again cheer for the Ducks. That was <laughs> against everything I believe in. I felt dirty. And... <laughs> In all honesty, whack, whack. they were a disaster that second half. That was <laughs> three that points. Was Come on, Oregon. A Rod was calling the shots in the booth <laughs> on that one. They all they did is run it up the gut. What happened to Herbert? Here's a guy who's supposed to be the first pick in the draft, and he couldn't even complete a pass in that second half. He was, was brutal. It was awful, and they're fumbling it all over the place. It was just like, and then when he threw that interception late, I thought, oh. I thought it's over. It's done. Arizona State's going to win, and our pain continues. I I honestly had given up hope. And when they got the ball back, even after the fumble when they got the ball back, I thought they were going to screw it up again. <laughs> it it did take a, uh, a, a false an offside, offside for us to actually clinch. It the- did. <laughs> it did. And I'll tell you what. I have never been so exhausted in my life. Watching two games that you're fully invested in emotionally, I was a wreck by the end of that Oregon game. I couldn't celebrate the way I had always pictured. I thought I'd just be going nuts. I could barely get off the couch. I was so exhausted. It was a long day. Ryan was so exhausted he went to sleep. <laughs> well, it was after 12, and I had to be up at 6 the next morning. I think I, the last time I looked at the clock was about 2.45. I finally finally was able to to doze off and... Get my blood pressure to uh, to manageable levels. So the Utes have done it, as we said. Got that monkey off their back. The last team to represent the South in the Pac-12 championship game. So I do want to kick this question over to you guys because I, I, I have my thoughts on it. How important was it for them to win the division 
and get to that Pac-12 championship game. In the world, in the words of Donald Trump, huge. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> That's for Mike Myers. What are the two? That was Mike Myers impersonating Donald Trump. <laughs> well, let's just not worry about Scott Ryan. What are your what are what's your thoughts on on how big how big this is for Utah? Get that monkey off their back. Oh, it was absolutely big. I mean, I think when when we start when this season started, we all thought there'd be a chance, and um, as it unfolded, you know, the first two games against both Washington schools, we looked awful for most of that and then just came to life in mid-season and then the wheels fell off at asu and we thought yeah it's not gonna happen but the resilience of this team is just fantastic and i and i it speaks to the character of the players it speaks to the great coaching staff that got these guys ready i mean it's huge for the program i think yeah it I don't think there's anything but positives that come from this. You, you get that monkey off your back as far as the – you're never going to be asked again, how does it feel to be the only school that has not won the South? You've now done it, and you're, you've got a one-game playoff to, pl- to play in the Rose Bowl. That in and of itself is huge. So, yeah, you still got to get there, and you, or you still got to take care of business to get there. But I think recruiting-wise, this is huge. I think just just – the mentality of the program going forward, it almost just kind of feels like you belong now, right? You're no longer Mm -hmm. the newbie. You're not the new school in the conference. You've now done something significant. And if you can go and win the dang thing. Does bowl game wit come out to prepare for this? Oh yeah. I, I'll tell you what, do you, is there a better coach in the country that you want preparing? Now, granted, there is only one week. It's not less than three, a week after Saturday. Three or four weeks, correct, that you get on a, uh, leading up to a bowl game. So he doesn't have that time on his side. But I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll, put, uh, I'll put my faith in, in Winningham before really most any other coach when it comes to this because he'll, he'll have those guys ready. And I'll tell you what, those guys are going to be juiced. It would obviously help to have that we have played both of those schools this season. You, you know, you're, you're going to know what to expect going in. Uh, well, you played them both tough. I mean, you mm, you could not. That have, Washington game wasn't okay, tough. But, but you could not have played a worse game against Washington. And you were a You scorer, were in the game. You were a score very away. Okay, I'll give you that. You're not going to see that type of Utah team. Okay, I totally see where you guys are coming from. And heck, I, I'm still excited uh, for Utah to win that division title and represent the South in the Pac-12 conference game. That is huge uh, for Winningham and this program. So let's get into the Utah-Colorado game. So Utah comes away 30-7, to a kind of a slow start for Utah, what we've kind of seen a lot this season. Tied 7-7 to at halftime, and then that third quarter, Utah blows up for 17 points and then tacks on another six in the fourth. A really a tale of two different halves for the Utes, but they answered the call when they needed to win. I mean, yeah that that first half was ugly. Just those those conditions that they were playing in were just they weren't even fun to watch. Couldn't see the field. You couldn't tell where they were on the field at any point. Um, the players couldn't get any footing. It was just it was not real fun football to watch. Um, but. In those poor conditions, they did not turn the ball over, which was huge. So you didn't give a, you didn't give away opportunities to Colorado to get some gimme points, which could have hurt you in the end. So uh, I love that. I love what Jason Shelley's doing. He's taking some shots when when they're there, but he's protecting the football, and uh, just just love watching him play and, and what this team's doing. I mean, it uh, yeah it was not a it was not a. F- fun or pretty start by any means but did what they needed to just kept kept themselves in it didn't make any glaring mistakes and then uh, as the weather weather cleared a little bit and made some adjustments they were off to the races in that second half you know and as as hard as they tried the pack 12 tried to take this away from us <laughs> i'll tell you i'll tell you what twitter was something to behold when chase hansen oh. i think i tweeted at the pack 12 like 30 times Within about a ten minute span, you and all of 
Ute all. Nation on it Twitter. Was, uh, it was nuts. I mean, even nationally, it was blowing up. That, oh, uh, national media people were calling them out. That was terrible. It was absolutely and, ridiculous. And then on that drive, that that's the drive that... Colorado ended up scoring on to take the the seven zero lead. And well, yeah, and they they got a, uh, pass, a interference pass interference on top of the and, Chase Hansen uh, penalty, and that they just... were gift wrapped that seven points. Yeah, but like yeah, like Scott said though, I mean in the second half the Utes figured some things out. And I really like that they what they did in the second half. They figured out they could attack the edges and got some speed in there, bringing Green in uh, and and the jet sweeps with Covey. And that really opened up the game. So, okay. So since Cam Cam introduced the not popular takes in this podcast, I'm, I'm going to bring up one of my own here. I think TJ Green should start. I don't know that I can disagree with you because, I mean, in Shine's first start, he ended up with 174 yards. It was kind of lackluster. And we talked about that last week, how he just kind of runs into the back of his line. And if, there's, if he happens to hit the hole, he'll pick up some yards after that. But... There just wasn't. He wasn't doing. He 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 wasn't doing anything. He doesn't hit the hole hard. He doesn't get up to speed fast enough. And then Green comes in, and really ignited something. And and he's a lot quicker. Well, and and again, I'll I'll own this as I'm a I am not an evaluator of talent, and and uh, this is coming strictly from a uneducated fan's point of view. But if you watch Shine run the ball. I mean, obviously, it's not what what uh, what we were getting from Moss, but there's just there's not much acceleration. There's just there's you're right. He just doesn't hit the hole. I'm not sure he, if he doesn't see it, if it's the vision, but he just kind of runs up the back of his offensive line and and falls for a two yard gain. And uh, you know, Green comes in and he just starts attacking and and making moves and breaking tackles, and he just runs with and dislocates an, an aggression. His hip and hurdles somebody. Yeah, dude, he was a straight <laughs> anaconda on on that run where, he, dude, it, he looked like a track star who had just broken his leg and it just flipped around. And uh, I'll tell you what, that was that was impressive. But I like what he brings to the table. Yes, he doesn't have the experience that Shine does. And and how he sh- how he measures up as far as um, blitz pickup and protection issues, you know that's a big factor as well. But as far as just breaking it, breaking it down to how they run the ball, I'd much rather see Green. I think he brings a lot more to the table, and he's got that home run ability. Whereas Shine just is kind of yeah, and it's hard to argue those points. I I will say though um, something that. We you know we talked about last week with Shine, he doesn't really run a lot with his shoulder pads up and level to the field. They're kind of pointing down, and it's harder to to find your lanes that way. The other thing with this game, I think with the weather, the offensive line it was hard for them to get that push to open up the holes in the middle of the field, uh, and so I think that's when Utah was having success by bouncing outside with Covey or with Green. That's where they're having that success. So I can't put everything on Shine uh, in in this game as as far as the rushing. But at that same point, though, I can't argue on, on who should start. Maybe just because Green, we don't know what if he can carry a load for a whole game because yeah, he's so and, young. And I, I don't think you're going to give you know him f- going for four carries all of a sudden he's going to get twenty seven against BYU by any means. But but I am all in favor of giving him more of the workload and maybe taking some of that workload from Shine until he can fully take it over. Um, and granted, you know, sh- again, this is Shine's, what, this will be his third game back, really, as being the man. So I, I expect that he'll continue to show progress. Um, but, you know, in a game when you're getting Mason Woodward and Joey Wood reps at the running back position, you know you've, you know you've decimated your opponent. <laughs> so, I mean, you, you look at everybody who got some rushing attempts in that game, and it's a, it's a good long list, so. Yeah, to take care of business. Shelly, man, Shelly and Jalen Dixon have got a uh, have got have got it working right now. That's what I want to talk about that that connection from uh, Lone Star High School and down in Texas. It, it's working well for the Utes. Dixon finishes with four receptions, 125 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, he had a long of 61 yards. Those home run balls between the two of them. You can watch them on YouTube. In high school, they did it. Now they're doing it here, and Shelly. 
I, when Huntley went down, I think a lot of Ute fans, a lot of question marks, what was going to happen on that? And Shelly has really stepped up and answered uh, being the starting quarterback. Yeah, I, I was pretty skeptical. I was I was not sure what we were going to get out of Shelly and if he, if he was really up to the task, but he has proven me wrong. What he's doing, I just love his demeanor. He's he's calm in the pocket. He's just making his reads. He's not overreacting, and he's not rushing things. He's not too quick to get rid of the ball, but he's also not too slow to get rid of the ball. He seems to be understanding things and, and keeping this offense in a rhythm that we just really haven't always had from the quarterback position. So I, I can't say enough good things about him. You just got to... And he's just going to continue to get better and better. The more reps and opportunities that he gets, he, we may have a quarterback don't competition. Go don't go there. We may have one. <laughs> oh, I, go there. I mean, we don't need to get into it right now, but come fall camp, we may have one. Before we move on from this game, though, I think it's probably fair to say that our listeners really want to get Scott's take on whether Hanson should be benched by Whittingham for uh, the, yeah. the targeting call. Hypocrite Scott, what's what's your take? Hypocrite Scott, okay. <laughs> if you remember, a few weeks ago, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Blair had an egregious, I will say egregious, targeting call. I had the take that, that he needed to sit for uh, longer than the half that he was penalized uh, by NCAA. Now, my take was, because he has a prior history, and that was a blatant, dumb move. You can't compare this to Chase Hansen. Chase Hansen didn't do anything wrong. It was a clean hit. I know you guys just want to put me up against the wall, but all right, I, back I, it up. I, beep, beep, beep. I back will. It up, I will hold to that take. I still think Blair should have sat. But <laughs> but hey, he made a nice pick in this game. We finally got something out of our center fielder. So kudos to kudos to Blair on that one. Uh, so let's talk about that defense uh, with Hanson going out. I thought Francis Bernard, uh, you know, had to step up and and play with Hanson going out with Thompson uh, being injured at the, at the linebacker in position. Uh, Bernard comes away with the most tackles. He's got ten, three tackles for loss. He hasn't he was really, a stud. He hasn't he was played big. a lot. And again, another guy who got his name called and steps up and, and plays lights out. It was phenomenal, and I think it just proves the depth that we've been harping on all season long, and it has paid dividends late in the season. Well, I mean, and Kyle Whittingham alluded to this today in his press conference, that Francis Bernard, is a, he's a quality starter. He's, he's He brings that to the table. The only reason he's not starting is he's got two pack, all Pac-12 level linebackers in front of him. So you saw what he was able to do, and, and you know he's going to get some opportunities against his old team this oh, yeah. coming I week. I mean, if all goes as planned this weekend, by halftime the game should be over and he's going to get a lot of run in the second half. Yeah, and, and he, he'll he'll have something to prove. He's going to want to make his his name known and uh, and make some hits. And uh, just I'm just praying right now that we do not get any second half targeting calls that affect the Pac-12 championship game. Now this uh, now this this game this BYU game is not going to be offici- officiated by any Pac-12 refs. Hallelujah. So we do have that going in our favor. It's going to be a combination of Mountain West and Big 12 can I get refs. A, can I get an amen from Fernando? <laughs> amen. <laughs> I say be gone with you. I say be gone, Pac-12 refs. So I think that will do it for our thoughts on the Utah-Colorado game. And again, c- congratulations uh, to the Utes and to Kyle Winningham for winning that South Division champion and really stepping up when they had to um, against Colorado. Uh, looks like we have Jeremiah Jensen on the phone. Uh, we want let you know that's brought to you by our great sponsor with Farmers Insurance. Now, if it's been a while since you've got a quote on your auto insurance or home insurance, why don't you give Scott Omer a call and see what he can do for you. For protecting your home, vehicle, and family, look to Farmers Insurance. You can call Scott Omer at 801-307-4046. And you can also look him up on Twitter at Scott underscore Omer 8. All right, joining us on the phone now is Jeremiah Jensen from KSL. Jeremiah, thank you so much for coming on and taking time out of your busy evening. Hey, thank you for having me. I actually have nothing to do right now. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, this is the perfect time. That's great. That's why we're gathered around. Glad to be filling that nothing time with you guys. It's a pleasure. <laughs> well, we appreciate it. 
the first question I've got to ask you, obviously you cover Utah all summer long, all fall through the season. Yeah. After watching them start conference play 0-2, then losing Huntley and Moss, were you surprised that they end up winning the South? Yeah, I have to be honest. If you consider everything from the start of the season up until that point, yeah, it actually is a bit. You know what? The Arizona State game is one I just, you know, they had that nice run, the four-game win streak, and they're scoring 40 points a game, and then all of a sudden Arizona State happened. I'm like, oh, my goodness, and then you lose Huntley. And then the Moss news, I'm like, you've got to be kidding. This is just another November. This team is cursed. There's, I don't know what's going to have to take to break the curse, but there's just something about it that won't allow this team to win that, Southern, you know, that South Division title. And it, I mean, somehow they were able to overcome all of this. So, yeah, guys, I'm shocked because this is, we're so used to this happening where it just doesn't, for some weird reason, all these things don't align and they, the ball doesn't bounce their way to use a cliche and it doesn't work out for them. And for, finally, it has worked out. And so what if, you know, you had to get some help for it to happen? Uh, the youth are Pac-12 South champs. Can I say, I need, did I say that with enough enthusiasm? <laughs> Pac-12 South champions. Nice. There you go. We're going to overlay, yeah, some, we're gonna overlay some celebration music to that. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Throw some queen in there for me, will you? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, to answer your question, I am surprised after the 0-2 start, after all the adversity that they faced this season, for them to finally make this happen is a surprise, but you know, it's a great surprise and there's no reason why they can't go to Santa Clara in two weeks and, and beat Washington state or Washington. They should have beat Washington state. I believe if they don't call that, that phony block in the back on Covey's punt, then they win that game. And the Washington game was just weird. I don't know. They just didn't, they, I don't know what's going on in that game, but I think if they get another shot at either of those teams, there's no reason why they can't win, even with all the injuries they face. So I like where they're at right now and they've got a chance one one game. All you need is win one game, and they go to the Rose Bowl. That's incredible. So, I mean, staying on that point, one game, who do you see uh, that matches up better with Utah for that one-game playoff for the Rose Bowl? Do you see a Washington or Washington State? Where, where the odds lie for uh, Utah winning? I think they have a better shot against Washington State just based on the performances, based on the head-to-head matchups we saw this year and kind of where the teams are at. Well, Washington State's so dynamic offensively, but I feel like the youth can match up with them and slow them down enough. They did so up in Pullman. Um, Washington, man, their secondary is so tough. They force Utah into a lot of mistakes. Um, They're a lot more similar to Utah. And and obviously, Utah's had a tough time beating Washington over the years in the Pac-12 since joining the conference. So I like their chances better against Washington state, which seems crazy to say right now with how well Washington state is playing. But I do think in one game on a neutral field, I think it's a better matchup. Uh, Washington state kind of changing subjects here a little bit. I'd love to get your opinion on the way the PAC 12 officials have oh, here we called go. <laughs> the targeting call this, this season. Obviously we are huge Utah fans and we think yeah. some of these are have been bogus, especially this last one against Hanson. But you know, from a from an unbiased opinion, what what are your thoughts? Maybe on the Hanson call, but in general, overall on targeting. So I'll start with the Hanson call. It was terrible. So how, what is a guy supposed to do? He 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 did not launch himself at at the quarterback. He hit him right when he was still releasing the ball. So it wasn't even a late hit, to be honest. Watch it again. And he hit him right at the point where he threw the ball and he hit him with his shoulder. He's it's fundamental tackling. He didn't leave his feet in a sense that he was launching himself. He's trying to make a tackle, make a play. I didn't, you know, slowing it way down. I didn't see any helmet contact. They would, they would, they would even if you're watching a replay, look, okay. In real time, I was there in the game. In real time, it was such a vicious hit that if you're a referee, just because of the viciousness of it and how physical it was, maybe you're just conditioned to throw the flag there. Okay, let's review it. We need to take a review and look at that. I get that. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But how did, how did the re- replay booth and the officials up there not overturn that? What is a guy supposed to do? Mm-hmm. How are you supposed to tackle a quarterback? I thought it was a terrible call. My, 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 my take on the targeting thing overall, um, I guess specifically with Pac-12, but I think the Pac-12 is calling it maybe a little more – um, I think that it feels like the SEC and maybe some other kind of conferences have been a little more loose with it. 
they haven't been as strict and, and, and the Pac-12 has had a lot of targeting calls and maybe they're being a little bit too sensitive towards it. I, the rule itself, I understand why they have the rule, but it's just so brutal to eject a player from a game for, and, and, but you, you could totally kill somebody on the sideline on a late hit and you stay in the game. It doesn't make any sense. They've got to figure out a better way to do this. It's got to be more consistent. It's just like, like, like Kyle Whittingham has said, it just seems so, I mean, it's, it, there's just really not a clear way to determine what is a penalty in this situation and what isn't. And there's just a lot of confusion. Even, even all this time that they're spending trying to teach these guys how to not lead with your crown or your helmet. And it, it's still, it's still, I don't know. It, it's just impossible to ask a guy in this situation to control their body when they're running so fast and they're trying so hard to make a play. Um, I just think the penalty is too stiff. I think kicking a guy out for, for a game and then making him miss a half is just too much. Um, they need to reevaluate the, the rule in the offseason. I hope the NCAA does, and I hope they figure out a better way to do this, and I hope they find a way to do it that's a little bit less harsh. Because, I mean, th- this rule has really hurt the Utes this season. Go back to the Washington State game. I mean, missing Lucky Foto for the first half, I believe that impacted that game. Mm-hmm. And so if you're impacting it, and Chase, I mean, Chase Hansen, that, 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 to, for, to kick a guy out of a game like that, in a game that meant so much, I mean, that just seems so harsh. So that's, that's the thing that bothers me the most about it is, you know, you know, kicking a kid out of a game, they work so hard and they, they, these moments are, they're just, there's not, there's not that many of them to go out there and play college football. And so I just think the penalty is too harsh. I, I, I guess that, that that's my take on it right now. I, I understand why they've, they're trying to crack down on targeting, but the penalty is too harsh, and they've got to come up with a more clear way to determine what is targeting and what isn't. I think we definitely agree with those statements, especially about making a kid you know, miss extra games when it's really an, could just be what, how a, an, an official views it or their opinion on it, uh, especially with so little games in a season. It, I think it really hurts the kids. Or, or you compare that to how Woody Dixon uh, felt about the hit up in the booth. <laughs> And in that, but that's that's the biggest problem is you don't trust and don't feel like there's integrity when you when that story came out. Now you're wondering every time a call is made, or has, what's the influence here? Um, why is this inconsistent? Now you're, I mean, it leaves it up to conspiracy theories. Honestly, oh, yeah. I mean, it's and that's a mess, and that's a big problem for the Pac-12 to have that kind of a credibility issue with your officiating. Yeah, well, that that was actually my next question is how how big of an issue cuz obviously there's there's been so much fire around these Pac-12 officials, not just the targeting, but just some of the calls that they make, the inconsistencies, then news breaks mid-season with what's going on up in the press box with Woody Dixon and his clown friends and and all all that's been going on and there's just this negativity and it's just coming from all over the place, even nationally focusing on the Pac-12 and 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 how it's being run, not not only on the field but off the field, essentially. How does that? How is that? How much is that hurting the Pac-12 nationally? Oh, I think it's just another thing. I mean, number one, the the performance overall for the conference hasn't been great on a, on a national scale. It's got to get better. Uh, it doesn't help when USC's down, and you know some of these teams that nationally have had attention. Um, yeah, I think it's great that Washington State's had a good season, but you know, when people think of the Pac-12 around the country, Washington State really doesn't get them too excited, right? Um, it's unfortunate because they're a great team to watch, but you know, the problem with with this whole situation is it just makes you know you have that situation with the lack of competitiveness nationally, and they're not getting in the college football playoff. They're 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 just not in the mix there. And then you add to the to the mix this credibility issue with your officiating, and it's just not a bad, it's just not a good look. Just bad news after bad news with this conference, and and they've got to change it. They got to they got to fix it. And you know what? That that all, that's all on the commissioner. Um, that's all Larry Scott. And you know that guy makes a lot of money. And right now you got to ask yourself: Is he earning that money? Is this conference in a better place now than it was um, when he took over the job? I mean, the answer is no. And it, so, except for bringing it's time to hold Larry Scott accountable. <laughs> No, it's, it's which right. he hasn't been. I mean, there's no accountability for the commissioner. There, yeah. There's there, there's nothing being done, and then you have these issues with with the uh, the officiating. They have got to do something to fix the officiating, to um, show everybody and and make a statement that they're going to have 
to make some changes because obviously there's a credibility issue there. So you've got to do something to show them that you can have some trust in the way that these games are officiated. They've got to restore that trust with the fans and with the teams and with the universities. So Jeremiah, kind of shifting um, the focus now, you know, it's rivalry week with Utah and BYU. You know, you're around both programs. How much does this game really mean to both schools? Because right now you have Utah who's going to be going to the Pac-12 championship game. BYU, you know, made a big hurdle this season by becoming bowl eligible. What's your feel on, on how important this game is? You know, it's weird. I mean, me personally, I feel like the rivalries jumped the shark. <laughs> like, it's just not what it used to be. I So I, I've covered this now, this rivalry, for 15 years, since 2005. I've covered all the rivalry games. Um you know, and I've studied this like it's a like it's a major in college. You know what I mean? Like I love the history of the rivalry; it's incredible. And there's it's just not the same anymore. Um, it's it, what's you know it's it hasn't been competitive. That's part of the problem is the youth have dominated, so it doesn't feel like a rivalry when it's one sided. And then you add to the mix the fact that they're not in the same conference anymore. In a situation like this, where they're playing at the end of the year, where BYU has really nothing to gain but trying to end the streak. And Utah's really the same way. Utah's only motivation here is to protect the streak. They got a huge monster opportunity in two weeks that they that they really need to focus on. But they've got this in the way. Um, I, you know, talking to players today, I went up to Utah practice, and those, I mean, guys like Chase Hansen and Britton Covey, this means a lot to them. And 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 you know, Cody Barton talked about it. this is a game. I want to go play a game. These guys want to play. This is what they do. So they're going to be motivated. Um, they're going to be ready to go. They want to play in this game, but I totally understand from a fan standpoint, if you're a Utah fan, you're like, well, what's the point of this? I get it because you've got something that's so big coming up next. Um, you know, it, and when you're, when you're whipping a team, every time you play them, or even, even though they, some of these games have been close, it's never really felt like BYU was the better team for the last, you know, last few games. So, um, that's, it, that's my feeling. Um, it is. It, it's cool. I mean, I, I, I certainly want it to continue happening, um, but I like it at the beginning of the season. I, th- I like it earlier in the season. I think it generates a lot, a lot of buzz and a lot of interest earlier in the season, which is great for, for everybody involved. You know, it's great to have buzz in college football and here in the state, but you know, last game of the year, it's, this is obviously a, an outlier. This is not going to happen very often, but um, that's just my feeling. I, it's just not the same. Well, you mentioned that really the only way that this is going to become a rivalry again and, and kind of bring that juice back to it is BYU winning. And, yeah. uh, but obviously they, you know, the program has fallen. They aren't what they used to be. What, what does Kalani have to do to really get them back to where at least they're at a competitive level um, with Utah, but really a competitive level with, with um, just in college football in general? Well, I feel bad for Kalani. I think he's in a really tough spot. I, I think he's got a dream job that he, you know, he's he's got a great opportunity. But BYU is in a situation where the program, I don't, I just don't think they're getting the support that they can, that they really need to have from the administration uh, and 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 the board there to to be competitive nationally, which is what they want to do in independence. That's the whole point of the tough schedules that they've set up. That was the whole point of the move was a, you know, to make more money and to be free of the 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 chains of the Mountain West Conference, but also to, you know, expand it. You know, we all know what the mission of the church is for BYU is to spread the word and to, and that, and that's, that was a big focus of why BYU football was so supported for a long time by the church. So in order to get back to that, they, Kalani's got to be able to go out and get the guys that he, that he really wants, but you know, he needs some junior college transfers. Um, he, he just needs better players. And the challenge for him is trying to get guys that can, a, you know, make it academically at BYU and B, live the honor code. And that's really hard to do. Um, you almost have to look at the way Bronco Mendenhall did. It might be the best approach at BYU moving forward. Kalani's not going to do it like Bronco did, but Kalani's having a hard time, you know, finding, finding a way to do it the way he wants to do it with some of the restrictions that BYU has there. So that's a, that's a tough one for him. Um, I really want Kalani to succeed. I mean, he's a great dude. You guys know that you you know, Kalani, you know, his 10 years at Utah, there's nobody that wants him to fail. Um, maybe a really hardcore Utah fan would like to fail because it's BYU, okay? Maybe I'll take that back. But no, I mean, Kalani's a great guy. You know, he, I'm sure you guys outside of the Utah game don't mind if he has a lot of success there. Um, but it's tough because I don't know that he's getting the support and I don't think he's able to do the things that he would like to do 
um, that he's learned how to do under Kyle Whittingham. I mean, look at what Utah's able to do by bringing in certain guys that maybe couldn't get in somewhere else or, or whatever it might be, or taking rolling the dice on uh, Francis Bernard or some of these other guys, the Dominique Hatfield, some of these players that have been really instrumental in having their success that they've had. Um, there's some great stories of guys that have come into Utah on maybe it's on a second chance or, or maybe it was the best offer they had and, and they turn out to be great players and really help, you know, contribute to the Utah football program. So, you know, I don't, I don't, I think Kalani's kind of hamstrung with that and that's going to prevent them from reaching the goals that they want to under him. I don't, I don't know where it's going with that. Um, I'm sure he'll get another year. Um, getting to a bowl game was, was good. That was positive, but you know, is six and six, what BYU fans and, and, and donors are, are, are excited about and used to No, there's, that's a, there's a reason why there's, 15 or 20,000 fans missing at Lavelle Edwards Stadium right now. The, the excitement's not there. And, They've got to regenerate that, and that only happens through winning, and they're not doing enough of it right now. And, and the fact that they're returning tickets to uh, to the Utah game this week, which is... Isn't that crazy? It's a little surprising yeah, uh, that to be in... Yeah. Even though, yeah, the rivalry, it, it doesn't have that same emotion, you know, and, and juice that we've had in years past. It is pretty interesting that they're not even filling the allotment. Crazy. I mean, and a, a part of that has to do... That's, that's what I'm talking about is... A, the, the excitement around the program among BYU fans is down because of the frustration with the performance on the field. And B, I don't think a lot of BYU fans think they have a chance. Yeah. Which is and probably you combine why those two they'll... things together, why would you bother? I mean, there was a lot. I, I know a lot. I talked to BYU fans that gave away their tickets or didn't even show up to the New Mexico State game. I mean, that's not happening in other places. I mean, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, it is. Crazy. So that's kind of where they're at right now. And it's, it's it, you know, I'm sure it's not sad for you guys, but for, you know, to know where that program was, you know, and to see where it is now, it's, it's not it's not a good situation. And I don't know how they fix it, to be honest. So we're recording this on Monday night. So, you know, a few days before the game, I, I thought I heard you say BYU at 6-6, six and six, meaning are you picking Utah to win this game? <laughs> yes, I'm picking Utah to win this game. Um, you know, it's funny that you and and you know why would it? Why, there's just no reason to pick BYU at this point. I mean, I, I think even even the you know outside of the Cougar board people, like who, who's gonna who's gonna ride ride with BYU right now in this game? It's just on paper, it doesn't look good. Um, you know, Utah just won the Pac-12 South, and BYU you know struggled at UMass and New Mexico State early. Eventually, they blew those teams out, but there was no excuse for that. Um, BYU's just not. On, on the same level as Utah right now. And, and even the most honest BYU fan has to admit that. So for BYU to knock off Utah at Rice Sickle Stadium would just be a massive upset. Um, I don't really know how they get it done. Um, I think Utah would have to struggle mightily offensively and turn the ball over like crazy, which is what's happened in a lot of these close games lately in the rivalry series is Utah has made a lot of mistakes and kind of let BYU hang around. And then BYU makes a run late, makes it interesting. Um, that's basically, I think that's been the last three games basically is what it's been like. So, um, no, I don't think, I don't think BYU is going to, has a chance to win this game. Utah should win easily. Um, but you know, crazy things happen in this rivalry. We've seen a lot of times in this rivalry where, you know, it's a few exceptions when one team's had really great teams. I mean, I look at the 1996 BYU team, um, 2004, 2008 Utah teams. Those are just great teams that would have done that to anybody. Um, but usually we see close games in this rivalry series. I think this, my feeling is this is, this isn't going to be that close, um, based on the, what I've seen from these teams so far this year. So yeah, I am absolutely predicting a Utah win would be stunned if it went the other way. And I just can't see a scenario where BYU pulls this out. So Utah goes on to win a week later. They're down in Santa Clara taking on either a Washington, Washington state. If Utah gets that done and heads to the Rose bowl, all right, Jeremiah, where where do you rank covering a local team in the Rose Bowl versus anything else you've covered? Oh my gosh. So, we obviously I I, I was I was still in college at at Utah when they went to the Fiesta. Actually, no, I was in Colorado working my first TV job. So, it was after I graduated. So, I didn't cover 2004. That was obviously historic. Um I did cover the 2008 team. I was I we were, it was it was unbelievable. That was massive. Beating Alabama in their backyard, basically in the Sugar Bowl, it's one of the greatest moments, sports moments in state history. But for Utah to go to the Rose Bowl, we've never seen anything like it. It's the granddaddy of them all, and for them to make it now, I mean, it, you know, there's, I mean, I, I don't think Arizona's ever been 
to a Rose Bowl. Think about that. Since they joined the Pac-12 in 1978, yeah, um, it's not easy to get there. And if Utah were to do that, I mean, that would be one of the greatest achievements in the history of sports in the state. And how cool would it be if Utah goes to the Rose Bowl for the first time and they face Urban Meyer in Ohio State? That would be awesome. unbelievable. You're, so giving, you're giving me question, goosebumps. <laughs> it's, it's possible. Think about that. That can happen. They just have to win one more game. They have to win that championship game against two teams I think they can beat to make that happen. That's insane. And to answer your question, where would that rank on the scale of things I've covered here? Um, it, it would have to be um, it's top three for sure. And if they won the full thing, it would be number one. Awesome, Jeremiah. Th- thank you so much uh, for coming on. And of course, you know, people can catch you on KSL, especially on Sports Beat on Sundays night. Something that I have watched since I was like in fifth grade, I think. That's so awesome. I was always That's one of so those, cool. I was always one of those kids that called in. I remember oh, sixth yeah. grade, I'd be calling in <laughs> on the show. So uh, very That's so cool. Big big fan, big fan of the show. Thanks for keeping it going. Uh, where can people find you on social media? Um, on Twitter, I'm at JJ Sportsbeat. Um, also on Facebook, if you want to, if, if if you're a Facebook person, you can find me there too. I'm on Instagram as well, but uh, not sure this is the Instagram crowd. So <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at JJ Sportsbeat, and obviously, yeah, you can watch us on Sportsbeat. Appreciate the support, and we 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 work our guts out trying to cover Utah sports. I hope more Utah fans uh, are recognizing that and giving us a chance, and uh, we'll be all over. Uh, the Pac-12 championship game, and hey, if a Rose Bowl happens, uh, we'll be all over that as well, like you've never seen. Awesome. awesome. Sounds good. Thanks for coming on, Jeremiah. Thank you for having yeah. me. Hopefully I didn't suck. No, you <laughs> no, didn't suck. Not. That was awesome. Thanks so much. That's best. a relief. One of, <laughs> one of the best. Thanks, JJ. Thanks so much, guys, for having me. Appreciate right. it. Have a good night. See right, you. Bye. You too. Uh, big thank you to Jeremiah for, for jumping on. I, great interview that that guy is is a, a lot of fun a lot of great insight and, and really someone who not only covers utah uh, but also the other schools in the state so it's always great uh, to kind of get their thoughts as we head into rivalry week as utah takes on the byu cougars of provo of provo i like how i like how you add that in there it is rivalry. If if we if we hold to what Urban Meyer taught us, you would not be calling them by their name, Cameron. Sorry, the team down south. Team down south. I'm not even sure they're a team anymore. They're just they're just the thing down south. They're uh, they're not very good. This is this this rivalry is slowly dying, and uh, there's just there's just not a lot of enthusiasm for this game. Really on either side. Definitely not on the Utah side, right? Because our focus is two weeks down the road. It's the Pac-12 championship. That's all anybody cares about. Obviously, we want to win the game. You don't want you want to keep the streak going. You want to get number eight in a row. But you also want to keep your guys healthy so you have all the ammo you, you can take down to Santa Clara and, and win that Pac-12 championship. That's where the focus is. And according to today, BYU returned uh, about 1,500 of tickets of their allotment from, from Utah for this game. So if they can't even fill their allotment. There's not a lot of enthusiasm from BYU on their chances in this game. There's just no buzz. Well, there's no buzz around their program. If you look at their stadium every single week, it's... Half full is a little bit of exaggeration, but it's not. It's not much more than half full. Um, and I, I've got friends who are season ticket holders down there, and who who did not even make an attempt to sell their tickets or go to the last game on Saturday. Well, I mean, I mean you can't a, blame would you, them. Would you? I, I wouldn't. I don't. I, no, I can't blame them because I don't think I would either. But uh, if if I thought it's eight o'clock, it's freezing cold against New Mexico and State. My team could lose to New Mexico State. Why would you want to go? No, you're right, and that's probably why the tickets got returned today. It's eight o'clock kickoff. It's possible. It's most likely going to be snowing, and Utah should absolutely but, kill them. But this is their season. They've made it pretty clear. You know, this was the joke for how many years, right? When, the Super Bowl. 
this is the Super Bowl. This is the game, the only game that matters. And when real and and granted, yeah, they're going bowling, but they they have not, outside of that Wisconsin win, which quickly was deflated when Wisconsin really turned out to not to not be all that great. This it really comes down to beating your rivals, right? They already got worked by Utah State. They lost a close one to Boise State. And if you lose your eight straight to Utah, there's, you know, just the, the trend continues. But that makes it even more clear that they have no faith in their program. Oh, they, they don't. And, and, and realistically, if you're a BYU fan, if you do have faith in your program, it's just blind love. It's of cougar your, board faith. It is, because there's nothing going on right now that would say, hey, we're about ready to turn the corner. There just isn't. They're not even close to turning the corner. The, the the talent gap between a BYU this BYU team and this Utah team are night and day difference. Yes, are we BYU or excuse me, are we Utah homers? Yeah, but it's pretty clear to to identify the different level of of athlete that mm-hmm. these two programs have right now. And granted, how motivated is Utah going to be? How ready are they going to be? We'll see. Because Utah has also never been in this situation where they've had a more important game the week after that means the world to them. So Whittingham in his press conference today saying all the right things. This is the game we're focusing on. We're not looking ahead. This is a rivalry game. We're not going to rest players. And we're all going to play. But do all the players think that? That's going to be the question. And how, how focused this team is if they come out it should be over by halftime. But if some fluky things happen and it's bad weather, you could give BYU some life and and uh, and, and they could stick around, at least for a little while. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess it could turn out to be another one of those close games and like it's, like it's been the last couple of years. But like if those have gone, it's been flukes. It's like... Utah turned it over six times and and still ended up winning. I think it's that's that's completely possible. But BYU doesn't have the talent to put it together for all four quarters against a team like Utah. Now they don't have the talent to put together if they were just simulating a game by themselves. <laughs> so it really should not be much of a game. And if Utah shows up, takes care of business, this should be an easy win. And again, I I think your biggest thing is keeping guys healthy. Oh yeah, it, it, it's absolutely true. I mean, I think the goal has to be play a clean first half, dominate it, and sit all your starters. Now I'm not trying to give the hot takes by any sure. means. <laughs> I know. I, Here it comes. Listen in. I completely agree with what you guys are saying. What Jeremiah was just saying that that you BYU just doesn't have the players to compete. I will say. Zach Wilson's a heck of a player. Yeah. I think he's a good quarterback. I think he's a good freshman. Yeah. Uh, Utah, but he's a freshman. Utah has struggled with containing quarterbacks as of late. I'm not saying that BYU's going to win, but I think one thing that could keep BYU in the game is Zach Wilson and his ability to run the ball with his legs, yeah, to I mean, escape pressure. He's a, He's a good athlete. The problem is... You've seen it, and and BYU against much worse competition, they've seen him make one good play followed up with two bad plays, and and that's what you get with no, a young quarterback, valid especially point. straight out of high school. I mean, he, he we've we've got Jason Shelley who's a freshman as well, but he's a redshirt. He's spent a year in the program, learning, and and I think that makes a world of difference. And and I have no doubt that Zach Wilson's going to turn out to be a pretty darn good quarterback, but. Those great plays that he makes, they're just not consistent enough, I think, to go and to beat a really good team. He's not consistent enough to be to be multidimensional. I think Cameron brought up a good point that he, he his, his escapability is good. He's fast. But if you turn that into one-dimensional, Utah can shut that down. He's also got to be able to complete passes to those wide receivers, which he hasn't proven that he can do even against lesser competition. Oh, those are great points. I'm just meaning that I, I think it's going to take more than Utah just showing up to win oh, the game. And, and I know you guys weren't saying that. But I, I I think, it, yes, BYU doesn't have as much talent. Utah on paper should win this game pretty convincingly. But I still think Utah has to show up. Oh, for sure. And yeah. play because their game. Because at the end of the day, it is a rivalry game. And weird things happen. 
we could go out and turn the ball over six times and they could capitalize off of those and you got yourself a ball game. So yeah, anything can happen in any game, even if there's a big discrepancy in the talent level. So Utah has to show up. They got to take care of the ball and just, just continue to do what they do and what they've been doing and they'll be just fine. But you're right. They got, they still got to take care of business. It's not, it won't be a complete walkover if you're fumbling and making some big mistakes. So Kyle today, actually in his in his press conference, he he talked about BYU. He was asked about this BYU team and what he's seen on film, and I thought it was pretty comical his uh, his response here. You know they're they're uh, they've had you know obviously a very good game against Wisconsin. Uh, a couple games they struggled, um, but they play hard. Uh, you know, Coach Sataki, he's a he's a good friend of mine, and and uh, you know he's. Uh, you know, does a good job keeping keeping them going, and and uh, you know, but but you know, just kind of your know, record is six and five, and they've had some really good moments and some not some good moments, just like just about everyone in the country. That was the first I'd heard that, and he's act he's kind of struggling to come up with words to be supportive of Kalani. Yeah, he he didn't want to throw him under the bus, but he knew he couldn't lie and say anything positive. <laughs> <laughs> well, he doesn't want any locker room material. Yeah, he was he was very. Uh, very careful at picking uh, the words that he uh, that he used there, but that was pretty it's pretty funny. Not 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 much to uh, not much to say positive on that one. Well, it, it's interesting. I happened to be walking through my living room. Uh, the, I think it was yesterday, and they were having they were it was a video clip of Kalani after their win against New Mexico State, and I think they were asking him about the the game against Utah this coming week and. He again. He just like Wit said all the right things, but he wasn't. He didn't seem to believe. At least he he wasn't exuding confidence that his team was going to go up to Rice Eccles and compete. Well, I, I think he knows what's coming. He knows that he's going up against a team that's rolling. That's got a great defense. His offense is awful. Their defense is maybe a pretty average still. So I think he knows what he's up against, and I don't think he's all that thrilled about it. They're just, they're just not a good team right now. They're just not. Hopefully Utah will, uh, will show up, take care of business. Uh, eight will be great, and uh, we'll move on to the, the game that matters. Okay, it's time for us to jump into our Pac-12 and 12, and that's brought to you by Doubletree Suites by Hilton in Salt Lake City. You can find them at 110 West, 600 South, and give them a call at 801 359-7800. All right, news out of the Pac-12 today is Bad Hair McIntyre is out at Colorado. The Buffalo couldn't run into the storm anymore. He's been put out to pasture. They didn't even let him finish the season, let him coach against Cal. The best is the report broke that he was going to be fired at the end of the season. Which obviously was correct. They just wouldn't wouldn't own up to it. But then they denied it, and then he got blown out on his home field by Utah with one game left, and they said, ah, screw it. We'll just cut him now. That's really unfortunate right after he he brings out the Buffalo story. Although I did see on... Freeball and uh, tweet out today that if he doesn't, if he does not take another head coaching job in the next two years, he's going to earn like two hundred and something thousand dollars every single month. Yeah, two hundred seventy three thousand until oh, sorry January twenty two twenty twenty two. Yeah, I, I would I would find a Caribbean island, hang out there for two years, and then get back into coaching every month. For doing nothing. Well, you you win the South Division, you get a huge extension, and then you cover up misdeeds by your staff, and you get a huge, a huge bonus. Well, okay. Since since we're on the topic of this, did you see Helton's buyout is twenty million dollars? So they may not be able financially oh, that. Wow. to pull the trigger and fire him. That's why Lynn Swan put his arm around him and said, "You're our guy." <laughs> The only reason why I see getting rid of him now is because how bad would it look for them to beat Cal, go to a bowl game and win that bowl game and get stuck with him for another season? So I guess maybe that's why you cut loose with bad hair now. Yeah, but the way they're playing, I mean, Zach Voss kind of alluded to it on Twitter during the game and you could see it. 
I've heard some other rumblings that those guys in that second half they just gave up. They, you know, they're they're not even playing for their coach. So that that sends a pretty strong message. If those guys had put a really good performance together and they were inspired to to try and save their their coach's job, you would have seen a different team out of them. Now that he's officially fired, I don't think you're going to get some heroic effort by them against Cal to go out and win. I think they're done, and I think they're ready for a new coach, whether that's whether that's coming from uh, up in Logan or whoever else may be in the I running saw some for names that. in the Dana Holgerson. That surprises me that he would leave West Virginia. Mm. Uh, I don't know if he's got Colorado ties. That that to me doesn't seem like a necessary jump up. But then again, I've never lived in West Virginia. Wells wasn't on the list that I saw, though. I mean, it was just a list somebody it, threw out there. But it, it wouldn't was... be the first time they go after a Utah State head coach. No. And it wouldn't surprise me if he's in the running either. Here's the here's the deal. If he does leave Utah State, does a Jay Hill get the call? Does a Morgan Scally get the call? Could affect Utah a little bit. I think... Uh... Well, I think either way it could affect Utah. I think if I think Utah State would go after Jay Hill before they go after Scally because he's got head coaching experience. I would think so too, and I would be all for that. Give Jay Hill a little bit better competition, a little bit more time as a head coach, and uh, just continue to groom him for that day that he can um, be well prepared to take with over for that, Kyle. That being said, though, Jay Hill could come take a couple of Utah coaches with him up to USU if that were... He could, but who's he going to take? Who's going to want to go unless unless they're, he's going to make him a coordinator? Coordinator. Yeah. So yeah, I will miss making bad hair jokes uh, with Colorado, but run, Ralphie, run. As we get into last week's games, uh, we do want to mention that the Cal Stanford game was uh, rescheduled for December first because of the wildfires there in Northern California, and, and really thoughts and prayers to everyone being affected by those. Uh, lives, homes are way more important uh, than a football game. Uh, but it is cool that the the Pac-12 is moving that game, so those players do get to have that on December first. So the first game we're looking at is Arizona loses to Washington State, sixty-nine to twenty-eight. Minshew, an understatement, twenty-five yards short of uh, five hundred yards, seven touchdowns. What do you guys think of Leach? playing all his starters at the end of the game. It, it was clear they're going for a Heisman at this point. Heisman yeah. and, a, when, and a chance to play in the playoffs. When you're up that much and you still have your starter and throwing from the goal line, you're just... Uh, I, I would be interested to see how that post-game conversation went between Sumlin and Leach. Did, did anyone catch Sheer on Jason Twitter? Did say anything <laughs> about running up the score? And the next game, Oregon State falls to Washington 42-23. to Jake Browning becomes the all-time winningest quarterback in Pac-12 history. He's got one more loss in him. Whether it's this week or next week, he's got one more. <laughs> I agree. USC completely drops the ball and loses to UCLA 34-27. to Scott, you mentioned the buyout for Hilton, but is, is he gone? Well, at the end of the year, I think I think we all thought it was, but twenty million dollars. They've got a big lawsuit going on in their athletic department. Financially, I've I've read that their fundraising has just gone down the tubes as of late. So I'm not sure they have the funds to fire him and then go out and get any type of coach that's going to demand a a big salary. So they may be stuck with Helton for at least one more year. I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm. I, I'd be interested to see how it plays out. To be honest, but I, I got to admit, I'm. A, I kind of like Helton, and part of that is because he 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 has lowered the bar with USC. But he seems like a good guy, and uh, if you saw the look on his face when he was uh, when he knew he had just lost to UCLA and was headed to shake hands, I kind of felt bad for him a little bit. But then you remember he's got like twenty million in the bank and a lot more coming, so he'll be all right. But it's quite the quite the brutal business that these guys work in. I will say, uh, JT Daniels, uh, the starting quarterback for USC, came out with a statement and pretty much tried to take heat off the coach, saying you can't put all the loss on the head coach. Uh, so at, at, on the surface, it appears he still has the locker room there uh, if he if he's still with the with the team after this season. And the last game, Oregon. Barely beats ASU thirty-one to twenty-eight. 
A, a toe, a toe that was out of bounds and a two point conversion really put Utah into the Pac-12 championship game. There's a lot of controversy that it wasn't reviewed. I don't think it should have necessarily been reviewed. Well, I, I I wouldn't have had a problem if it was reviewed. If that happened to my my team, I would want them taking some extra extra views of that. But even if it was reviewed, I'm not sure it was going to be overturned. It it looked like there there he was out of bounds. It didn't seem all that close. But again, you know, it depends on who your fandom is, is at the same time. But that's the Pac-12 refs. You, you they're going to spend 20 minutes in the first quarter reviewing the spot of a ball. And then uh, when the game's on the line, they don't even blink. So last week we all went four and one in, in our picks. We all went four and one. Ryan, Screw good job. All of you. <laughs> Ryan, good job picking Gosh. the Bruins. And that's your best week. You should be thrilled. But you picked the Wildcats over Washington State. So that well, being said, try, to try for some that should count for two losses. <laughs> so on the season, Scott, you're leading us thirty-seven nineteen. I'm right behind you at thirty-six and twenty. And Ryan is barely staying above 500 at 31 and 25. Ooh, so what really mean, barely staying. That's like <laughs> it, six games above 500. It, it took you 12 weeks to get above 500. So I, I, I've got a one game lead with one week left. So I'm just going to pick whatever Cam picks and I secure myself the title. Good thing in the order this week, you're going Ryan, Scott, and then me. Oh, how so the, convenient. <laughs> how convenient. <laughs> that's the way it worked out. So the first game we have. Two Friday games, Oregon traveling to Corvallis to play the Beavers. Oregon's a 16-point favorite. Ryan, where are you going? There's one week left in the season with seven games this weekend. I could overtake if I go undefeated and you both lose. So I'm going with OSU. (laughs) Scott? Just trying to decide where I'm going to put the trophy. (laughs) Oh, shut up. Should go over here. Over here. I'm going to Oregon. I got the Ducks as well. Next game, Washington and Washington State playing on Friday afternoon. The game of the week, determining the North Division. Washington State right now is a three-point favorite. Ryan? Determining the North Division and our next opponent. And who loses to Utah in the title game? I am going to go with Washington State. This is a tough one because Washington just they they've kind of got that moxie, right? They've got they've got that team that usually just can they win these types of games. And they've they've had Washington State's number, but you look at the season Washington State's having, it's at home. I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with Washington State as well. So as you said Jake Browning became the winningest Pac-12 quarterback, but he's not going to go to the Pac-12 championship. With that, I'm going with the Cougars. Next game, Stanford at UCLA. Stanford's a six-point favorite. Ryan? UCLA is on a roll. Go with the Bruins. You know what? I think I'm going with the Bruins as well. Oh, shut up. No, I really am. I I, I actually think they're, they're playing some pretty good football at the moment. And Stanford, Stanford's just been all over the map this year. So, being that it's at UCLA, I'll uh, I'll go with I'll go with the Bruins on that. I'm going with the Trees. They've had two weeks off now uh, because of their game being canceled, so they should be rested. I think UCLA kind of got lucky against USC, uh, so I got to go with the Trees. Next game, Arizona State's traveling to Arizona to play for the Territorial Cup. ASU, a two and a half point favorite, Ryan. ASU just had the wind knocked out of their sails after that loss, and Arizona's going to get the win. I'm going with ASU. I think they're uh, I think they're hurt, but I think they'll uh, they're the better team, and I think I think uh, I think they'll pull uh, pull it together. And Manny Wilkins and his mouthpiece will get one last victory. I think this game's going to be super super close. Not was a rivalry, but both teams. Kind of up and down right now, but I, I, I agree with you, Scott. I think the Sun Devils get this one and fork it up. Colorado's not going with bad haircut to Cal. Cal's a 12.5-point favorite. Kind of surprised by that spread, but Ryan, where are you going? The problem has left the range, and Colorado goes in and beats Cal. Scott? I'm not sure there's a Buffalo that could survive what's going to happen on Saturday. I think you're going to see Cal's got a great defense <laughs> Colorado's offense is bad. I think Cal wins easy. 
Yeah, I think Cal uh, wins this one. The Buffaloes run away from the storm up at Berkeley. I gotta try. And USC taking on Notre Dame. USC trying to get to bowl eligibility, going against a great team in Notre Dame. Uh, the Irish are a ten and a half point favorite right now. Ryan, I know the easy way out is to go to Notre to go with Notre Dame, but. The mighty Trojans will pull it off. You're going all in this tank. <laughs> you and the Jazz. The tanking. dirty, dirty Trojans. <laughs> you know, I I actually would like to see USC pull the upset. I'd like to see Notre Dame get removed from uh, the playoff. It would get USC bowl eligible, which probably isn't all that great. But um, but I think at the end of the day, Notre Dame's they're playing really well, and USC hasn't shown any signs of life. So I'm going to go with the, the Irish. I'll go with the Irish as well on that one. In the last game, we're picking BYU traveling to Rice Cycle Stadium to play the Utes. Utah's a 13-point favorite right now. Ryan, who do you got and what's your score? The Utes will finish the regular season victorious over the Cougars with a, by a score of 52-10. to 10. Oh, in that weather, you think we're going to put 52 on the board? We're going to need probably 35 at halftime, to, I think, to do that. But I like it. I like the... Turnovers. Uh, We're going to get lots of turnovers. I like the direction you're going. Um, yeah, I think you're going to see... I'm going to go a little more, more conservative. I'm going to go just the fact that uh, you're going to have, have a lot of uh, bench players in for three quarters. Um, so I'm going to go with the score of uh, 38-13, the Utes. I think weather's going to play a big factor into this. I only have Utah by seven. I think they went 27-20. to 20. Whoa. What? Well, he has had some hot takes tonight, folks. Way to keep up the streak. I don't get why everything I say is like so controversial. I don't get it's it. Because it is. <laughs> 27 to 20. Hey, if that's what you believe in your heart, you should go for it. I'd put a put a wig over that heart of yours. So I'll do it for us on this episode. Ryan, where can people find you on Twitter? At Drum and Feather. Drum, the letter N, feather. And Scott? Uh, Uteman underscore forever. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Utah Man Podcast. You can always go to our home at utahmanpodcast.com. You can always find us wherever you listen to podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. And hopefully Utah gets a win over the team down south. And we're talking Pac-12 championship football next week. And go Utes. Go Utes. Go Utes, we'll be tell I die We're good, let's cut it. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah. And do you know what it really comes down to? Scott was getting bested. <laughs> he wasn't driving the conversation. <laughs> we were speaking. And he can't handle it. Oh my god! <laughs> We're and, good. and Scott, and we got Scott. Sorry, I oh like Scott, it. all three of you were there. I like okay. you can forget about. I Scott. like to it's forget funny. about hey, most, Scott. Most people do forget about me. It's all right. Rivalry week. Yeah. I'm not <laughs> some enthusiasm there. <laughs> well, I thought Cameron was gonna like introduce Rivalry. the segment. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, we're Big we're gulps, huh? we're just trying to pick up where you were on Twitter when you called Utah the South Division champs. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, apparently it was my birthday or something, right? What? <laughs> that's what that's what happens when you tweet at like eleven o'clock. And you've worked a hour day on the road. Hopefully I don't suck. I can't promise. <laughs> that's what we I just said no before promises. we told you. That, that's our mantra. <laughs> yeah, right. You try to find guests that suck. <laughs> well, you, you found it here. Let's lower the expectations before we get started here. You're not going to be impressed at all. I'm a terrible guest. <laughs> thank, thank, what is it? Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving. <laughs> Ryan's a little slow. <laughs> There's an outtake. <laughs> Ryan, it's not even that late. <laughs>